Let's pray. Father, we are coming to this moment in the life of our church, which is so significant. And we thank you that it's centered upon your call. It is not man-centered, but it is Christ-centered. It is the desire of this body, Lord, to follow you. And we thank you that you've been faithful to lead, and we pray that you would do that. We pray even now as we open your holy word and as we give attention to what your word says about your calling and how it relates to this vision, that you would focus us even now, that you would... uh, Uh, cause things that are distracting us to be removed and that you would put us in a posture truly of listening and sensing your presence that we might that we might be made different even this day we pray in Jesus name amen well let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word I'm going to read from two sections of scripture one verse from Psalm 119 and then from 2nd Corinthians 5 17 through 21 and we'll then preach about the way in which this connects to this extend vision. Psalm 119.90, the psalmist writes, Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, chapter 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I want to begin by asking you, how did you get here? And it's a question that I want all of us to think about often over the next several weeks. How did you get here? How many of you were here on that very first Sunday, moving from the high school now to this sanctuary? How many of you were here on that Sunday? Raise your hands. How many of you have come to PCPC in the last five years? Raise your hands. And then a lot of space in between. And space between the last five years and now. I'm not gonna make anyone uncomfortable and ask if this is your first Sunday here, would you please raise your hand? But we are glad that you're here. Because this is an incredible Sunday for us as we launch into this next season of what the Lord has for us. Brothers and sisters, five years ago, the session began to truly seek the Lord's face. And even in that, we began to recount the faithfulness of God and what he has done. So that question, how did you get here, is really important. 26 years ago almost, some of you didn't have a choice. You came with your parents 
and you were little children, even in, the, even in the photo that you'll see in the booklet, you were sitting perhaps on the floor here. Others of you came through the doors of a Florida trip or a mission trip. Some of you came as a young adult because you saw someone special that was another young adult and thought this might be a good place for you to be. Others of you came because of the music, the preached word, whatever it was, God brought you here. And I think it's important during this season that you recount how is it that the Lord got you to this church. Some of you, you moved from another city, you were familiar with the PCA, you simply Googled, found us, and you landed here. Others from another city heard about this church before you even got here. Friends said, you've got to at least check out PCPC. Some of you came in 91 and have never been to another church. We all have stories that are important to recount as we consider how it is that the Lord brought us here. And here's why. It's much bigger than you. It's much, much bigger than you and your individual story, though your individual story matters, and here's why. Your individual story is part of the greater picture of the history of redemption, not just about being a part of one expression of the church, but about being a part of the greater history of redemption. For example, this morning, over 160 churches opened their doors to worship. If not this morning, last night, or sometime later today, 160 churches that the Lord has planted through this church, we've got to stop and pause and think about that. The Lord has done great things through this body, and we believe he will continue to, to do great things. But how did he get you here? I really want you to think often of that. How did I get here? 15 years ago, I had no idea that that summer, my wife and I would come and would interview for the student ministry position. Had no idea about PCPC. Never heard of Skip Ryan. It was a little voice I heard on my phone as I was in a conversation with someone that was the first connection to this church. And it was Barbara Ryan. A call came to me in St. Louis from a 214 zip code. I thought I hit decline but apparently I hit accept. I actually think I still hit decline. I just think Barbara's that powerful. <laughs> and suddenly I hear this little voice, hello, hello. That was my first conversation with anyone from this church. Who would have known? We certainly didn't think the Lord was calling us here. So glad he did. So grateful for this place. But really how we got here doesn't start then. It starts in 1982 for me when I was at a Young Life camp. Think about how often you've prayed for students going on ministries like that. And in the th second or third day of that camp, I went to my Young Life leader and said, Tom, something is wrong with me. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew something was wrong. The Spirit of God was moving behind the scenes in such a way to convince me that I needed Jesus. I was not a Christian. I was destined to be separated from God forever. And then I heard the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord knocked on the door of my heart, as Revelation 3.20 says, and I opened. And there I discovered what it meant to be saved, to be born again. And the reason I start there is because after I became a Christian, 
my Young Life leader took me to get a Bible right there in the Young Life bookstore, but he also got me something else. It was called a topical memory system, a navigator's tool that helps people memorize scripture. And so he gave me my Bible, he told me to read the Gospel of John, and he said, start memorizing scripture. The very first passage that I memorized was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It was in the NIV and it went like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. My friends, that conversion was very real. It's been lasting and it will be because it was God's work. I remember thinking deeply about each of those words. Therefore, if anyone, listen to this, if anyone is in Christ, how can you be in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What was wrong with me? I needed to be saved. What was wrong with me? I needed Jesus. What was wrong with me? I wasn't a believer. And now, once I prayed for salvation, I sensed the experience of the, of the Spirit's presence. I was being made new. The old, as the word says, was gone. The new had come. That's when it began for me. Not long after that, I began to read the verses that followed 2 Corinthians 5.17. And there, with the help of my Young Life leader and volunteers, I discovered that it wasn't just about me being saved, but that God was also calling me to be an ambassador for him. That God was also calling me to go and tell people about Jesus because God was giving me, like he had all believers, the ministry of reconciliation. Do you remember what it was like in the early days of coming to faith and how much you wanted to tell people the good news about Jesus? You know, we shouldn't lose that fire. It does go away sometimes, doesn't it? We need it back. We need the Lord to restore to us the joy of our salvation so that we can recount and remember what we have been saved from. We need to recount and remember what we've been saved from so that we can sense the compelling force of the Holy Spirit to go and make the name of Jesus known. How did you get here? Replay that story. If you are truly a believer, he has made you a new creation. But more than that, he has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Not an option for that ministry. He's given you that ministry. Isn't that amazing that God and his benevolence would call us to something like that? God wants to use his saved people to save his other people. And you're part of that. That's why your story matters. So how did you get here? How did I get here? And how did we get to this point today? For a few minutes this morning, I just want to give a brief overview of what we're gonna go through over the next five or six weeks as it relates to the Extend campaign. This booklet is very important. It's not for you to, to look at now, but I want you to leave with one if you didn't get one on the way in. This booklet is designed to help you understand the story of what this campaign is about. Because we're not inviting you simply to make a pledge, we're inviting you to get involved in a journey 
We believe a significant spiritual journey over the next five or six weeks where you will go before the Lord and say, God, how do you want to use me for the sake of extending your kingdom? We actually want you in the next few weeks to go through what we as a, a group of elders have gone through over the last number of years. And it's centered on three things. Number one, we want you to stop. We want you to stop and we want you to pray. And as you pray, we want you to listen. So stop, listen, and then whatever the Lord is leading you to in terms of this journey, we want you to follow. Stop, listen, follow. Here's why that's important. Five years ago, our elders began to ask the question, what might be next for our church? When we began to have that a time of discussion and prayer, we did not have an end in mind. We didn't have a sense of five years from now, we'll launch a campaign on March 26th. We just made a commitment to intentionally pursue the face of the Lord and that we would wait upon the Lord to give us vision. And he did. The vision that has come is centered on the word extend. The word extend is the first word of our vision statement. It has been really from the beginning. But let me remind you what it means. There are three definitions. Number one, extend means to cause to grow wider or longer or deeper, to cause to expand. The second definition of extend means to hold something out to someone. So just picture that. The body of Christ holding out Christ. The third definition means to exert oneself to the utmost. What a great definition. It means that we as people extend ourselves. And we extend ourselves in a way in which we're exerting ourselves to the utmost for the one who is deserving of that effort. So that's what extend means. This vision, though, moves out from that wonderful action to very specific things that are important for us to understand. And we are calling those things new doors, new churches, and new city. Over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack each of those on a Sunday morning to give you a greater picture of what that means. What is New Doors all about? New churches and New City. So just by way of overview, New Doors is centered on the idea that the Lord has planted us in a particular place. We believe that He will keep us in this place until the day in which He returns. And the reason we believe that is because there are people who need to be reconciled to God north of us, east of us, south of us, and west of us. We're in a very unique part of the city, which gives us the privilege of reaching into all sorts of the dynamics of this city. New Doors is born out of the idea that in our, in our bulletin each Sunday, on the cover, we have this incredible statement. You've seen it. You might have become so familiar with it that you even forget it's there. But at the end of this statement, it says, this church opens wide her doors and offers welcome in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that statement is not new to our church. This last Monday, our pastor, Tommy Overton, was going through his mother's estate. She died a little over a year ago. He sent me a picture of something, and I'm, I'm quite confident he was probably filled with tears when he did. And it was a bulletin. It was a bulletin from 1942. 
for a worship service at Highland Park Presbyterian Church. His mother was 11 years old and was joining the church as a communing member that day. And here on the bulletin, essentially, was this exact statement. This church opens wide its doors. When we began to talk to the architects about what we could do here, what the needs were, one of the first things that they said was that this church does not have good doors. He wasn't saying, or they weren't saying that they're unattractive or too heavy or not heavy enough. He was simply saying, there is no one central place where an individual would come into this church and say, I'm new here, where am I supposed to go? People come from all over through different doors and different ways of making their way. So you could come off the street from Wycliffe, up those back stairs, come in here, and never even see the rest of the building. I'm amazed at how often I talk to people who didn't even know we have a bookstore. People have a difficult time navigating this place because of its complexity. Now, for those who raised their hands because you were here almost 26 years ago, you're used to it. You know where to park. You know how to make your way through. But as we think about continuing to extend the gospel, we believe that there are going to be many more that come to this church, and we want to make it accessible. We want them to understand where they can park, and once they get here, how they are to navigate through our church. You will see in the conceptual renderings of what that looks like. But New Doors is not just about a physical building. It is about this church continuing to offer ministries that will help people connect to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think this is very important to know. Not every person who comes to this church who doesn't know Jesus is going to come on a Sunday morning. We believe that something else is probably going to happen in their life that will cause them to suddenly say, something's wrong with me, much like I did at 15. And we want to be a church that is opening doors for people to come and hear the truth of the gospel through Bible studies, art shows, re-engage a ministry for marriage, redemption groups, which really allow people to penetrate in the deepest parts of their soul. And right now, we have reached capacity at how we can offer those groups. Monday nights, this church is full of redemption and re-engage. There's no more space to grow those ministries because there's no more space. So we believe that in opening new doors, we're going to be able to see many more people come to saving faith in Jesus. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5, to be reconciled to the Lord. Our children's ministry space needs to grow and improve. Our youth building needs to come down and a new space needs to be built. You're going to hear about these things over the next few weeks, but that's the idea of new doors. New Doors, though, is not centered just on the church as is. It's centered on reaching people who live right around our community. ESL ministry each year turns away almost 50 people because there's not enough room. We want to continue to expand our facilities in order to reach more people. That certainly includes changes in parking. Right now, one out of four people park off of this campus in spaces that we do not own. With the new plan, three out of four cars would be able to park here on the property during our peak time. So we're encouraged by what this plan will unfold. Along with new doors, we are committed to new churches. Now I want you to hear this, and I don't want this to get lost on us. In the, the history of this one expression of the church, 
God has planted over 160 churches. The vision was born years ago, called the 2020 vision. And the goal was by 2020 to plant 100 churches. When I first heard that this church was involved in that, I was overwhelmed. I thought, what a vision. How are they going to do this? Well, God, it was God's vision. And God moved in such a way that that happened way before 2020. And so now we enter into this new season of the history of our church, and we're committed as much as ever at planting more and more churches. We don't have a specific number in mind, but we have a specific goal to plant churches that are called extending churches. In other words, churches that are from the very beginning going to be about making the gospel grow wider and deeper. They're going to be churches made up of people who are holding out Jesus Christ. They're going to be churches that are full of people who want to exert themselves to the utmost for the glory of Christ Jesus. In fact, as our session gathered to discuss, at the very early stages, we dialogued about this. Should we just plant churches or should we enhance the facilities here? Quickly, the session agreed that it's both and. I loved it when our elders begin to say, we must always think like a church plant because church planters are always thinking about this ministry of reconciliation. Parking matters, new doors matter, the way we greet people matters. We've got to keep thinking that way. So we were committed because we believe the Lord was leading us away, that we would go ahead and continue to pursue church planting even while we're in the middle of the campaign. And so during this year, we're gonna plant a church over in the Bishop Arts District. This vision is also calling for us to plant a church right here on our campus that will primarily serve the needs of the Hispanic community that is all around us. What is that gonna look like for us as these new members are joining our church, worshiping with us together, but also for some in their own language. God is on this place and this vision, and it's exciting to think about what this might look like for us as his ambassadors. Along with new doors and new churches, we're going to pursue something we're calling New City. Dallas is a very interesting city. When you consider how many large churches there are, how many wealthy churches there are, how many churches that are still committed to the gospel, there's a great opportunity for the church, capital C, to truly impact the city in areas where the city needs impacted. Areas of poverty, racial reconciliation, injustice. These are areas that the church, not just PCPC, but the church, capital C, needs to engage far more fully far more faithfully. The shootings last summer have caused the clergy in this city to come together in, I believe, historic ways, where these pastors are gathering and church leaders are gathering saying, what must we do with our congregations to seek the good of this city? And we're committed to seeking the Lord's face, to know how he wants us to love the poor out of poverty, how he wants us to pursue racial reconciliation, how he wants us to aggressively take on areas of injustice, but also how he wants a church like ours to champion the way of continuing to hold up the truth of God's word and to do so in a way that is full of love. 
Our church is already engaged in the city in profound ways. We want to do so more and more as the Lord leads us. We want our members to be so committed to that cause that we would go to sleep tired in the right kind of way because we've exerted ourselves to the utmost. My friends, whenever we come together as a church and we witness new members joining the church, I'm usually standing right there. There's a pile of people up here and they hear five questions. If you're a member of the church, you have answered those five questions. One of those questions is this. Do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? Think about that. It's worship, what we're doing right now, and work to the best of your ability. Do you know what that means? It means in our worship and in the work of the kingdom, we are to extend ourselves. We are to exert ourselves to the utmost because the one true living God has saved us and made us his own. This one true living God has saved us from eternal damnation in hell, that we might live with him for all eternity in heaven. And not only that, he has given you and me the ministry of reconciliation. There is no greater motivation to pursue this vision than the pure biblical fact that Jesus Christ extended himself to us. That Jesus Christ came to this earth sent by the Father. A love that was so wide, so deep, so long, and so high for his own glory and the glory of his Father and for us. And in coming to this earth, Jesus was held out to us even as he spoke and held out the words of eternal life. And then Jesus in the garden praying to the Father, knowing that he was about to fulfill what Paul proclaims here, that he was about to become sin for us. He said to his Father in a deep, earnest prayer, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours. Jesus stopped. He listened. And he followed because it was his father's will to crush him. And there on the cross, Jesus Christ was extended for us. And as he was stretched out on the cross, no greater visual of love than the cross, Jesus cried out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus, before he breathed his last, said, it is finished. He extended himself. He exerted himself to the utmost. He died that we might live forever. And he, in showing his faithfulness to us, made it possible by giving us irresistible grace for all of his children to say, I believe in him. And those who profess faith in Jesus, he made new creatures. And those new creatures he calls ambassadors, not for just a season, not an option, but this is who you are and who I am for all eternity. What a gift, what a privilege. There's no higher motivation than that. My friends, 
As your elders, we have been on this journey a long time. We believe today is the day to launch, and we're inviting you to enter this journey with us. This morning, we are not calling for you to make a commitment other than to commit yourself to making a commitment. That you would now begin to seek the Lord's faith, face for you, for your family, and for this church. And together that you and your spouse, your children, your small group, those you do ministry with side by side, that you together would sense that this is a moment where we as a church need to come together and stop and really listen and then follow. We want you to enter this journey because we believe at the end of it, the Lord is calling us all to be able to say, I exerted myself to the utmost for his glory's sake because he is worth it. And what that means over the next several weeks, Sunday after Sunday, is you're going to hear messages about this campaign that are layered in scripture that point us to the reason behind it. They will center on new doors, new churches, and new city. April 30th will be the day that we come back together as a church on a Sunday morning. And we'll be asking everybody then to make their pledge so that we might see what it is the Lord is calling us then to do. My friends, how did he get you here? Begin to replay that tape. Take this wonderful resource. We will also have an online resource. The information is in here and that as well. And begin the journey of remembering his faithfulness. Begin the journey of asking him, how, God, do you want to use me as an ambassador for you to reconcile the world to yourself. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm very grateful to be a part of this. I'm grateful to stand in a pulpit where the congregation expects us to point everyone to Jesus. I'm grateful for the affirmation that you have given, O oh Lord, and that your spirit has provided that this is your will and we're seeking your face. I'm thankful for the way you answer prayers, reminding us again that you are God. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from the evil one. Let us not be trapped by his schemes. Let us not live in fear except the fear of God. And do a work, Lord, that is mighty among us. Raise up prayer. Raise up gifts. Raise us up that we might remember again the beauty of what it means to be your children. Thank you for your faithfulness. Keep us present and enable us to hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.